Well, guys, this is it. Kamala Harris got elected president. Welcome to the rendezvous. <laughs> you got Zach, Carter, Davis, and... Uh, we're just talking hunting this week. I went on a mule deer hunt with Jasic before he went off to uh, basic training. Godspeed, Jasic. Get all your buddies in the army to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Carter but. went on a couple. Uh, he was hunting everything that walks this earth. If it was brown, it was going down no matter what color, what species. Was that a Kamala Harris joke? No. <laughs> oh, you dirty-minded duck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you went hunting for elk, deer, yeah, yeah. antelope, yeah, yeah, bird hunting. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, uh, yeah, so I guess I'll start off with my elk hunt. But let me just say this. You know the kinds of people that really just piss me off are the truck hunters, man. I ran into this guy, or I guess my dad and I did, but, like, we were over up on Area 39, so it's the face of the Bighorn Mountains that points into Lovell, so it's the uh, west side of the Bighorns, northwest, I guess, kind of up by the Montana border. But uh, my dad and I ran into this guy for, like, three days in a row, and every time we ran into him, it was after my dad and I had been busting our asses up on the mountain, like, walking around, doing whatever, and then we'd, like, come off the mountain, and we were driving down, like, at the base, and then this guy would just be sitting there in his truck and wave us down with his fat arm out the window, and he's like, ah! And he's got his little spotting scope set up on his windshield, or his window, and he's like, you guys see anything? I can't see nothing down here. I've been staring at this hill for three days in a row. And I'm like, well, f- Jesus Christ, man, get your ass up and walking around. And then he's trying to tell me, oh, I was over in Five Springs the other day, and I seen this cow and this calf, right? They were bedded down, and they were way up this hill. So I trapped up the mountain. So, like. I, I, this is kind of hard to explain, but like basically he's saying he's at the base of the mountain and he saw this cow and this calf like up the face and he just decided to walk up the face of the mountain from the very bottom to go get this cow and calf. And I was like, man, you are so full of shit. And then he's saying like, what, you've never done that. No, you've never hiked up the face of the mountain. Well, I've hiked up the face of the mountain, but like. This was, like, a big guy. Like, he wasn't, like, obese, like, overweight. Like, he just, I don't know. He just didn't strike me as the kind of guy that says, I hiked up the face of the mountain. I was like, okay, man. (laughs) Especially when every time my dad and I had run into him, he's sitting and looking at the hill with the spot and scope. And then he's like, I think I'm going to drive up there later tonight and see if I see anything. Like, uh, he just gives me uh, but anyway, so he's talking, he's telling us how he hiked up the mountain to go get the cow and the calf, and he says he busts his bull as he's hiking up the mountain. And he's like, but he ran into the trees, and I didn't have a shot. But I got back on the tracks that were from that bull, and I followed the bull tracks for five miles through the timber. 
And I was like, you, why the hell are you tracking bull tracks through Tillamook? You don't even know where it went. You spent another 30 minutes watching this cow and the calf. That elk's fucking gone. Because that's the most surprising thing, not the fact he followed that bull elk for five miles. That Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he says he jumped the bull. But then he proceeds to go after the cow and the calf because the bull ran off. And then after he jumps the cow and the calf half an hour later or whatever, he's like, oh, I'm going to follow these bull tracks. Like, I just don't get it. He just he was he cracked me up every time I ran into him, especially because like the last time I ran into him before my dad and I decided to call it quits because the last day we were up on the mountain, my dad and I took the four wheelers up Little Mountain. And uh, we were at the spot where my dad's buddy Joe had shot his elk the two days before his bull. He shot this little four by five bull, and there were like 250 head of elk out on this flat, like above a canyon. And so we were up there in the like early in the morning, waiting for these elk to come out because we didn't think they would have gone that far. So we were just over there trying to see, but it was windier than shit, and I mean that. There was probably a hundred people up on Little Mountain because the top of the mountain had snow all over it, and it was just—I don't know—it wasn't very ideal. But so my dad and I, after that, decided to uh, get off the mountain because they like, well, there's still time to shoot a cow. Probably not gonna get a bull. And so we went back over to Sheridan to go antelope and deer hunting. So the last time I see this guy. I'm flying on a dirt road going about like 50 miles an hour trying to get back up over the mountain. And this guy literally like veers across the road so I can't go by. And I like slam on my brakes and he's like, hey, you see anything up there? And I'm like, fuck. I was just pissed off. I didn't want to talk to him. But anyway. So let's discuss the underlying problem of most hunters and fishermen. You can't believe a word they say. They're all fucking liars. Unless, of course, it's us on this podcast. You can believe everything we say because we spit nothing but truth. Yeah, we are very truthful people on this podcast. I mean, I wouldn't tell the good people. I wouldn't tell the good listeners of The Rendezvous a lie. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't. (laughs) But, yeah, that guy was just... Yeah, I don't, like... I ran into a couple people elk hunting down here with my bow. And yeah. Like, you, if you run into a hunter out and about, like, you'd be nice. And I usually tell them, like, hey, I've seen so or so here or there. Yeah, like, sure. You can't believe a fucking word anybody says. Because if they're telling you they saw a bunch of elk over here, that one, they'd be over there. Two, they wouldn't be telling you where the fucking elk are. They're not in my experience. They would be like, you try to explain or to exchange pleasantries, but yeah. like, I don't even know what the point is because nobody believes anybody else. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, like I told that guy, so like where these elk were when my dad's buddy Joe shot his bull. So I actually was down in Sheridan for most of the morning. Cause I had a, exam I had to take for one of my classes and so I came up later in the afternoon 
drove over the mountain. My dad left a four-wheeler at this turnout, and so I grabbed the four-wheeler and then busted ass up the mountain. And I was actually headed over to where my dad said him and Joe were going to be. And they were on the other side of this canyon. The road kind of, like, towards the back end of it, the road kind of dips down and goes up and around it. You can get up to the other side. And so I came to the opposite side that they were on, and I was kind of, like, looking down. And then I just heard this gunshot. And I immediately thought, I was like, oh, that's my dad and Joe, those bastards. Then I kind of, like, look over with my binoculars, and I kind of caught a couple of elk running back into the trees. And so... Um, my dad calls me he's like hey i need you to get over here and meet us at the bottom and like you there's like this little road that you can kind of drive down the canyon with and so he's like meet us down there and we'll go drive down there and like go get the elk and then haul it out and put it back on the four-wheelers but uh i mean they were probably my dad said that when him and joe were looking at them they they were like a hundred that had come out but as I was driving over that way, too, I saw this guy with an elk quarter on the front of his four-wheeler, and he was like, oh, yeah, there were, like, 250 of them out there, like, last night feeding on the hill. And he's like, I shot this one this morning, so on and so forth. So, like, we knew there were elk there. And considering the fact that one side of the hill that my dad and Joe were on was just, like, this fucking straight drop canyon, and then the other side, the the face that they were on the uh, I'm trying to think the north facing the north face of the canyon was like the slope that kind of went down into this other smaller canyon. Like I didn't think there would be a whole lot of places for the elk to go. But we sat out there, and I don't know. I think the wind and the weather just wasn't that cooperative, and nothing ever came out. But I had a sneaking suspicion that they were just all sitting in the trees, like, right below us, like, huddled. Yeah. So, but, is your, uh, is your, you had a 39 Type 1? Yeah. Is it done? When was the closing date on that? So, bulls closed on the 4th, and then cows actually closed, was, uh, cows close like, cow-calf closes on Sunday, the 15th. But I, I just got a lot of shit going on, and I just I don't, I don't got time to go try to go shoot a cow this weekend. So. God, get your priorities straight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, so I'll tell you why this is. That, that's okay, though. But So my dad and I leave that morning and drive back over to Sheridan, and we got back to my house, and we kind of hung out and, like, unpacked some of our hunting stuff, a couple things, and dropped the four-wheelers off and whatnot. And then my dad and I went out towards Story, Wyoming, on this piece of land. And uh, we were driving up this road, and my dad was like, because we were driving on the highway past it, and my dad was like, look up there, see if you see any deer antelope out about it. And I was like, oh, there's some deer, mule deer. And so we kind of, we turned off on this road, and where the road's at, the dirt road we were on, there's like this big hill that kind of drops into a draw where those deer were so my dad drops me off he's like go look over the hill and see if there's so i was like okay whatever and so i'm walking up over this hill and my dad's really just driving slow because he was going to drive up the road farther and 
like just as I come to where I can see like over the top of this hill, I see a bunch of antelope on this big hill. It's like 500, 600 yards away. And I was like, oh, God. And so then I'm waving my dad down. I was like, stop the truck, stop the truck. And he comes over and we're kind of like crawling to the top of this hill to look at these antelope. And then there were three bucks and then there's the one that I shot. And then there's two smaller ones. But one of the smaller ones was not bad either. And uh, we look over to our left, and those mule deer are moving up this draw over another hill. But there was just one real small buck with them. And so we are kind of crawling towards these antelope because my dad was like, no, you can shoot that buck. And I was like, okay. And so we're crawling and kind of waiting for the mule deer to go up over the hill so we don't spook them or nothing. And... It was a little windy outside. Like, I didn't, personally, I didn't think it was, like, that windy. Like, definitely not blowing over 10 miles an hour, in my opinion. You're used to Laramie. Yeah, exactly. So, I was like, this isn't that windy. And my dad, this antelope that I shot was at 550 yards. Jesus. Yeah. But. (laughs) I don't lie. I don't like taking a shot over 300. Dude, my dad, so, you know, J6 little black magic archery scope yeah my dad's got one of them for his fucking gun it's called a night force and i mean like you just turn the little dial on the left side of the scope and it like just automatically adjusts so you just gotta hold dead on what like you you dial it to the yardage yeah oh shit like my dad just dialed it to fight like it goes by 50 yard increments how expensive of a scope is i have no idea well here's the other thing he's got it customized so, like, the scope accounts for, like, the bolt. So, my dad shoots, like, a 170-grain 300 wind mag. And the scope is specifically tuned to account for any, like, and they're Winchesters. So, the scope's tuned to account for the bullet drop of a 170-grain 300 wind mag Winchester bullet. Like, you're not supposed to shoot any other bullet other than that. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know how much I haven't looked it up or anything, but yeah, it's a Pretty black. Expensive. Yeah, it's a black magic scope, man. So he just dials it to 550, and he's like, "Okay, there you go." He's like, "So he's telling me though, he's like, this antelope's facing broadside. It's got its right side to us, and he's telling me just like with the wind, he's like, hold out, or I guess it was yeah, okay, scratch that. It was the left side of the antelope, broadside." And he's like, just hold to the front of its, like, chest, like its sternum, and that should be good for the wind. And I was like, okay. And so I'm sitting there laying down, like, on this piece of broken fence that was laying on the hill. And I shoot, and I'm looking through the scope, and this thing just drops like a fucking sack of taters. And I was like, nailed it. And then its front end gets back up, and it just starts fucking doing the ash drag front leg crawl and i was like what the heck <laughs> and my dad was like yeah i told you to aim at the front of it and i was like i did and so we get it closer to this antelope and i blew its back kneecaps out like i literally shot this antelope through its back kneecaps and so like one of its legs have was- i taught you nothing you always got to spine the animal so it doesn't run away. Well, I didn't go very far. 
It yeah. was like it was on a hill that, and all the other antelope that were with it. So this hill kind of knobbed out, and then it dropped into the smaller draw. I went up and down. It was pretty steep, and this antelope crawled down to the bottom of the draw. But there's no way in hell it was getting back up with just its front legs. I felt really bad, but. Uh, tore its ACL. <laughs> I tore both of its ACL. <laughs> Literally, dude, like one of its legs was pretty much like disconnected from its body. Like, oh. it... <clears throat> so. So that was that. That was in the morning. No, that was in the afternoon. I thought you got the antelope in the morning and then the no. Mule deer so the... we were elk hunting in the morning. Oh. And then we drove back over to Sheridan and then we we're out antelope hunting. So this was probably like between 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then you got a mule deer the same day? Yeah, like an, so hour, you, like an hour later. So you hunted three separate species of animal distinctively all in the same day. And got two of them. Not bad. <laughs> so That's more than I've ever had, so I'll, I'll give you that. Well, so we looked, like after I shot, I looked at those mule deer that were just mainly does and then that one little two by two buck look back at those mule deer and they were just kind of standing on top of the hill still like they, they didn't, didn't run off no damn yeah and so they kind of just moseyed their way over the hill and then my dad and i continued to walk over we walked over to this antelope and i had to shoot it again we went right through the heart but on the bright and, side and you guys were on state land or no nah, this was private oh. but uh well, here's the thing, though. It's like, no, it's not money. It's well, just it's just my dad's buddy, Corey. I didn't say nothing. My dad works with this guy at the hospital, and he just bought this new piece of land, or I guess he's leasing it. But there's this fence on the land that, like, the guy that he's leasing it from, like, we can hunt on it, but if we shoot anything on this guy's side of the fence, it's like $600 for an antelope and, like, 1500 bucks for a mule deer. Damn. So we dubbed it the uh well we we're antelope hunting out there the first time and dubbed it the uh, six hundred dollar fence but you know these uh this antelope and deer were on the good side of the fence the free side <laughs> the free side <laughs> and so we went over this antelope and i ended up ended up ending the poor guy suffering but uh we gutted it out real quick and then we Walked back over these, this hill where the mule deer went over. And as you got to the top of the hill, it became really flat for about 50 yards. And then it dropped off into this other steep side. But the sun was just kind of starting to go down. And so, like, our shadows were really, like, elongated. And so we didn't want to, like, spook the deer off coming over the hill. And, like, having our shadows, like, droop down the hill. So we waited a while. And then we kind of walked back up. And came around, and we're looking down this big draw. And funny story while this was all happening. So, like, the antelope that I shot my buck from, the little group that they were with. So, this new fence that this guy put up, the $600 fence. I mean, it's new barbed wire. It's pretty tight stuff. And there's this other herd of antelope on the other side. And so, then the little group that I shot mine from... They ran off around this big hill and came back around, and they were, like, on the other side of this big draw that we were chasing the mule deer in. And they ran across the hill, and, like, this other herd on the other side of the fence was, like, staring at them. 
and these antelope get to the $600 fence. And they're all just looking at it. Because they're like, where'd this come from? What the fuck? (laughs) And, like, it's pretty tight barbed wire. And so, like, they're all trying to, like, I don't know. Have you ever noticed that antelope don't hop fences? I can't say I've ever seen an antelope even near a fence. See, this is the thing. It's like, this fence ain't very tall. But, like, all these antelope are ducking their heads down and trying to crawl under the fence. And I'm sitting there like, huh, why don't they just jump it? And so the does, of course, get under the fence, and it leaves this one buck. So, like like I said, there were three bucks in, from the group that I shot, and, like, the smaller of the two, one of them was nicer. So this nicer one with the bigger horns, he couldn't figure out how to get under the fence because, like, his horns wouldn't fit. Like, he kept ducking down and, like, bonking his head on the wire. And then he'd, like, stand up and, like, look at it, run down the fence, like, 10, 15 yards, do the same thing, run down the fence. And I'm sitting there like, why don't you just jump it? My dad's like, we should just shoot that guy because he's so stupid. Have you ever seen an antelope try to cross a fence? I'm trying to think. Um... I mean – off the top of my head, that's the first occasion that I can think of that I've seen them try to cross a fence. But So when I was hunting mule deer with Jacek, our hunt got a little screwed up by an antelope that uh, ended up having to jump the fence. But I don't know if – I don't recall if Jacek and I actually saw it jump the fence or if it was on the other side when we next saw it. But anyways – continue on your deer hunt yeah so my dad was debating going to try to shoot this antelope but we didn't want to like walk the draw that the deer were in the antelope was to the left of where we presumed the deer to be so we didn't want to like go chasing after the antelope and scare the deer yada yada and the wind would have gotten messed up if we'd done that too so we hiked back up this hill and we kind of turned around and we're looking down this draw and sure shit, all these deer are sitting, like, on the hill of the draw and then, like, in the bottom. And we're looking, we're looking, and I was looking up my with my binos at, like, all these does and stuff. And then I saw that small buck again. And I was working my way down, and I guess my dad must have started from the bottom and was going up. And he's like, oh, well, that's a good deer. That's a good deer. We got to shoot that. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, just trust me and get down. I'm going to shoot that thing. And and he's like, oh, there's another good deer right next to him. And it was it was another like it was a two by three I think, and he was he was really tall. But anyway, and so you, you didn't shoot the two by three. No, I shot yeah. a three by four. Yeah, he was definitely the bigger biggest one out of all of them. And so I'm laying down on this hill, and it was kind of uncomfortable because where we were at, we were going downhill a little bit. So I was like laying down, but also like my weight was like going downhill so i was like trying to have to hold my neck up and like the gun up more damn near i had the gun on my binoculars like i have like (laughs) what so like i got a pair of these vortexes that came with like harness case and so like i had my binos in the chest harness but i just took the chest harness off and then i was just like resting the gun like with my hand on top of the binos just so I had a little more like it was a little more propped up on the front end, you know? 
And or you st- could just be a man and shoot the gun. Well, I don't know, man. Anyway, onward. So we sat there and watched this deer for about 20 minutes because it was just laying there. It didn't know. Like some of the does like up on the hill farther kind of had an idea something was up, but like nothing had like no one was freaking out yet. So it was all good. Watch this deer through my scope for like 20 minutes. Then he finally stands up. And so my dad, before this all happens, my dad's like, you got to make sure when it stands up, you shoot it because you probably ain't going to have that much time to get a shot. Like, if they get spooked, they're just going to start running. You're going to shoot it. And I was like, yeah, 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 okay. So I'm sitting there watching this deer. And my dad was looking up the hill at these does, seeing if there's anything else. You know, just kind of looking around. Because we'd been sitting there watching this buck lay down for, you know, 20 minutes, you know. And so <laughs> it finally stands up. And it's standing there kind of quartered towards me. And it kind of moved a little bit. So it was a little more broadside. But... It stood up and out, boom. And my dad was like, oh, geez. He's like, and he looks over with his binoculars because I looked over at him. And he's like, you shot him. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I told you to wait till it stood up. And I was like, he did stand up. And he's like, oh, nice. And he was just <laughs> he was so pumped about it. But, so did you gut the antelope and then shoot the deer? Or yeah. Like once you, okay. So we gut the antelope. Because we wanted to give the deer time. Like, those deer were still on the top of the hill when I shot it. And so, like, we wanted to give them a little bit of time. And so we drugged the antelope a little ways back towards the truck a little bit and then got them out real quick. And that way the deer had sufficient time to kind of, like, not oh, be man. not be so, like – I mean, they didn't really seem antsy after I shot the first time. but And that big buck that I did shoot wasn't with those does when we got there. So he was just hanging out. I'm sure he was down there the whole time while everything else was going on. But, yeah, I walked down the hill. Like, it was kind of funny because my dad, um, there, Corey had this, like, four-wheeler out on his little place because he runs cows out there. And so my dad was like, I'm going to go walk over and get the four-wheeler and see if I can drive it down there so we don't have to drag it up this big-ass hill. So I was going to ask, well, the whole time you're hunting, the like you went up to Sheridan twice, yeah. right, to hunt. Corey was with you. Like, did she go hunting with you or stay at the house or stay in the car or what? She was at the house. So, well, actually, the, so the first time I went up, like opening weekend for elk, she was in Thermop. Oh, okay. Or I guess, like, she was there for J6 going away thing and stuff, but then she went over to Thermop. Oh, okay. And then this last time when I shot this deer in this antelope, she came with, and she was going to come elk hunting with us, and, like, she was going to come hunting, but she had a – her oak professor was like, uh, we got through all the material in this unit, so I'm moving the exam to this weekend. Like, like the day, a good hunting experience. Like the day we were leaving to go back up to Sheridan, and she was like, "I'm not even caught up on my lectures yet. Like, I still have like five lectures to watch because I thought this exam was next week." And so she ended up staying at my house with my mom to watch lectures and stuff, then take her tests. Well, at least she's responsible. More responsible than I would have been. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I got a test today. I'll take it before midnight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so 
my dad went to go get this four-wheeler, and I was, like, trying to look for this deer down the hill just to make sure I knew where I was walking towards, and I couldn't see it. My dad's like, do you see it yet? And he's like, I was like, no. And he's like, well, I know it didn't get up and run away. And so I was, like, walking down the hill and finally came up on it, and I noticed, like, where it was laying and where the initial blood spot was was, like, up the hill. Like, this hill is kind of weird. Like, when you think about your skiing or something, you see moguls and whatnot. It's kind of what was going on in the hill with all the grass. Like, there's just a bunch of little knobs. And so this deer had been standing on one of them. And when I shot him, I just went straight through his neck. And uh, he must have... What's with your shot placement? Well, so this deer, like, like we were uphill. He was downhill. And granted, I don't think I necessarily like you know when you're shooting downhill at an angle, you have to aim a little lower. High low, the neck isn't anywhere near the vitals. Well, I just it was like a 300 something yard shot. It was like high 300. Get closer to your animals, man. <laughs> I like to live life on the edge. Thank you. <laughs> I like to challenge myself and my. I mean, like Joe, Joe shot his bull with my dad's gun. Which, I mean, was whatever. But, like, my dad and Joe were up, like, higher on this north face of the canyon, aiming down on this big flat. And Joe shot his bull at 670 yards. Okay, so that... And you know where he hit it? Literally at the base of the antlers, like, to the side of its eye through its brain. Like, so its skull was shattered. It was pretty impressive. That gives me an idea for another podcast episode. We could get a couple people on to have a discussion about like what's harder taking a long shot or trying to work your way closer to an animal like what is a more difficult hunt taking a 500 yard shot or trying to get it within 100 yards of like milder you know i okay well i guess like that, that we'll save that debate for another day but yeah, like that's a that's, that's a an good. interesting you could have some yeah. Good discussion about that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Zach, have you done any hunting in Montana or anything? No, man. I was going to try and come back to Sheridan and do some hunting. And then just 2020, you know, got in the way. Uh, it took me like a month and a half to get my practicum placement. And uh, I was like, okay, if they don't give it to me this weekend, I'm coming down and I'm going to go hunting. And sure enough, I got my placement that week, and I was like, frick. So I, I haven't had a chance to come down. Are you going to be in Sheridan over Thanksgiving? Yeah. Like the whole week? Uh, yeah, I'll be home. My Christmas break starts right at Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. We should uh kill some does. We need to find somewhere we can kill some does. Get yeah, a corgi doe. Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be in Laramie, aren't you? Over Thanksgiving? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, cars. Over like Thanksgiving Day, I'll be. Thanksgiving Day, I'll be in Laramie. But I mean, like after that, it's up in the air for like what's going on. So. Yeah. I don't know. I know some. We got some family connections. We might be able to find some land too. No. Well, you gotta find you a buck first, my good sir. Yeah, I'm down for whatever, man. Have you even shot a buck yet in your life? Yeah, I've gotten two. Oh, you have? Yeah. 
Okay. They were in middle school, though. I think seventh and eighth grade. I got them. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that you say that, I, I vaguely remember this, but. I'll drag you with me and Hoon to go uh, kill some cow elk. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. I'll tell my mule deer story for another episode. You can go. It, no, we're in like 30 minutes. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, there's only so many outdoor topics we can talk about. <laughs> it's true yeah well here's another 30 minutes of a campfire story that you can play there you go yeah so what do you uh you t- do you want to tell you your murphy story of why you're I'm, I'm i'm just a little upset with our good buddy murph because so he's the head butcher at this meat processing place in Sheridan. I guess it's in between Sheridan and Decker, but it's called Double L Meats. And he's all like, oh, I'm head butcher. Like, if you kill anything, bring it to me. And so I was like, okay, okay. So I shot this deer and this antelope, and I was like, okay, I'll bring them and we can hang them. So I drive them out there. I sat out there for like another hour, hour and a half. So we were skinning them and like getting them ready and stuff. And um. I mean, like this place is way out on Decker. Like, if you know where, oh, it's 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 just it's so past you know Welch. Like a half a mile yeah. past Welch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Welch is like less than ten minutes out of town. I'm just saying it was a lot farther out there than I anticipated it being. Hey, I've never been out there. Elk on the other side of the mountain, then coming over and getting an antelope, and then getting a deer. I'm sure it felt like it was forever away. <laughs> yeah. It did feel like it was forever away. Well, then maybe Carter should do some better planning. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I was trying to complete the trifecta in a day, but I, I couldn't find the elk, so we just had to settle for two of them. But anyway, so I drive out there, and we're out there skidding these animals, and like I was helping them hang them and stuff, getting them ready. And So then he's running me through like the sheet, these sheets, I guess, of what he wants or what I want out of them, like steaks, burgers, jerky, sticks, yada, yada. So I'm telling him, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he's like, when do you want it done by? And I was like, well, I don't care. Just like whenever you guys get it done, you know? Like, And I was like, well, my dad can come pick it up or whatever. And he's like, well, we're like a custom meat processing plant. So like if you need it done by a certain day, we can get it done. And I, he's like, when are you going back to Laramie? And I was like, oh, on Tuesday. And he's like, well, if you want it done by Tuesday, we can have it done by Tuesday. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like looking at his, he handed me one of their brochures because it's got all their like flight, like seasonings and stuff and like prices and yada, yada. But it didn't say anything about like expedited, like butchering or anything. And so I'm like, this doesn't cost much, right? And he's like, oh, no, no, it's like, it's just a little bit more to get it done by Tuesday, but it's not going to like break the bank. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> and so Tuesday he gives me a call. Or actually I called him. I called Double O Meats on Tuesday because he's telling me they don't have service out there. And he pick he's the one that picks up the phone and I was like, Ah, Murph. And he's like, uh, Carter? And I was like, Yeah. And I was like, Is my shit done? And he's like, Yeah, it's done. You can come get it whenever. And I was like, Okay, cool. So I drive out there and he hands me the bell. And man, it was like I I don't remember the number exactly, but it was at least $150, if not more, 
to get this shit like it said expediated butchering or like expediated processing on it and i was like the hell you told me it wasn't that much and he's like 150 is not that bad and i was like (laughs) man i was like come on like uh, i'm broke enough as it is and now you're charging me I was like, you should have told me that. And he's like, well, I didn't think you'd care. And I was like, ah. You ain't that broke. I'm broke enough not to want to. You travel somewhere every freaking weekend. You ain't that broke. (laughs) (laughs) No, but Murphy should have told you what the freaking price was. Well, I mean, like, 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 it's not a huge deal, but I was a little ticked off at the time being. And I was like, man, (laughs) busting my balls, Murphy. Come on. But anyway, jerky overall, the yeah, jerky. I haven't tried any of the burger steaks yet, but the jerky and the beef steaks are really good. So thanks, Double L Meats. So did you uh, ever have a shot at an elk? No. Nah. Was the whole season just butchered because of weather? For the most – okay, so I guess the only time I ever got a shot at an elk was opening day. Um, me and Joe – we're hiking on this it was called horse creek ridge which at this point with all the snow up on top of the mountain there's no way i can get over there but anyway um we hiked down there and i mean like that was just a brutal hike like it's super steep and i mean we probably went at least 12 miles total like that day and it, like we were up at the butt crack of dawn you know and it's like blizzarding outside and like the wind's blowing you can't see shit and like i was trying so Corey's dad let me borrow his little polaris ranger for this excursion because my dad had like my brothers with us and or my youngest brother with us and like my uncle was up there and one of my dad's other brothers were up there trying to get deer and stuff and so like I borrowed this ranger from Corey's dad, and I just, I don't know. It was kind of scary. So, like, there's this really steep part in the road. It's kind of rocky and bumpy, and, like, it's blizzarding. You can't see nothing. It's slick outside. It's, like, 5.30 in the morning, and I'm driving down this hill, and, like, it's steep rocks on your left side, and then, like, the right side just, like, a straight drop down. And we're driving down this hill, and I had it in four low and going super slow, and I started sliding. And I kind of veered off to the right, and I was like, oh, God, no. And this <laughs> thing's got zipper doors on it, which I rec- I heavily rec- – like, they were nice given the weather conditions and stuff, but if you start rolling that thing down a hill, dude, there's no way in hell you're getting out with zipper doors. Those things were like they were getting stuck, and there was ice freezing to them, and uh. So so well so Joe and I were watching this. We were looking down into this big valley like all morning, and we we're kind of hiking around by the trees. And I mean, like I said, the weather was just garbage, and it was just snowing and cloudy and windy like all day, and um it finally kind of broke for about half an hour or so. And so Joe and I started hearing these like elk chirps and they sounded like chirps anyway, and bugles off in the trees. And so we were kind of sitting there waiting to see if anything would come out because we're like, the weather kind of broke, like the sun's out a little bit, like it's nice. They were going to come out and feed it be now. 
And we kept walking down this tree line, and we finally, we, I guess we got to the point where we're kind of at the bottom of this big-ass hill, and there were cows and stuff chirping. And so I was like, maybe we should just walk, because I was looking at my onyx, and there was like this little park within this group of trees off to our left side. And I was like, maybe we should just walk in there, and they're all out in there, because they're not coming out here. And so walked in there and like as we were walking into this park like we got into the park there's no elk and i was like i swear there was chirps and stuff like i was just so confused and as we're walking back out like the weather kind of started to pick up again and got windy and um snow started to fall and so the trees started blowing around and, like, the trees were blowing and creaking and rubbing against each other. And, you know, it sounds like there's – it sounds like an elk chirp. And I was like, shit, maybe we've just been hearing trees this whole time. And I was like I, – I was just pissed off. And I was like, I don't even know what to think anymore. And so we come back out into this, like, the main park that, like, goes back up the hill we came down. And, like, it's spotty with trees and stuff. And we were kind of walking back up because we didn't really have anything else – that we thought we could do at that point because the weather was coming back and we're walking walking and i look up and there's like this line of trees in front of me at like 100 yards it's probably like five or six trees like in a tight line and then to the left of those there's this little knob in the like the flat part we're out there's this little knobby hill that kind of come down in front of the trees a little bit and I look up, and there's a fucking bull. Like, it, he wasn't, like, huge or nothing. He was probably, like, 5x5 five five or, like, a small 5x6. But, like, these trees came down into a V where they met. And he's just, like, I could just see his head and his antlers sticking up in that V. But I couldn't see anything else of him. And I was like, oh, god damn it. And I, like, went and ran out and, like, ducked behind this tree. And so I'm, like, behind this tree, and I'm looking, and... Next thing I know, that I don't think we like necessarily spooked them that much, but um, next thing I know, like where this knob in the hill or this little knobby hill comes out in front of these trees, a spike and a cow come out from around the trees, like behind this little hill, and they're like walking towards Joe and I, and that bull had kind of like disappeared behind the trees and like was walking down behind them or something. I don't really know, but. This cow and the spike were like walking towards us, and I was like, "What the heck?" And so I was getting ready to shoot one of them. I, they weren't walking at us that fast, and I was thinking that bull would come back out. And so I'm sitting there waiting a little bit, and like I had that spike in my sight, just cause, and the cow was right in front of him. And uh, then this other bull bugles off in the trees to the right of us like in the big patch of trees bull bugles those two elk the cow and the spike look up towards the trees and then they just book it back into the trees and then i could see that other bull behind that tree line run back into the trees and like five minutes later <laughs> snow and i was like oh my <laughs> so uh knowing what you know now Knowing the weather was bad pretty much the whole time, that was basically the as close you got to getting an elk. 
would you have taken the spike? Yeah. Even would. opening day. See, that's the thing though. It's like I wanted I wanted the bull that was with him because like he wasn't huge, but he looked nice from when I caught a glimpse of him. And that cow and that spike walked out and I was like, oh, I could like pop one of these and then that other bull bugled and I they all just took off and I was like, Oh shit. But like that's the only elk I've seen. Or other than like the ones that Joe got after the other weekend and or other week and uh but yeah I think that's all that the elk we've saw. Well like I but here's the crappy I, thing well, too. Well I just like don't um like ruining an elk hunt the first day. Yeah. You know getting something small the yeah. first day because I like elk hunting too much. I'd rather hunt all month long and not get anything than like yeah the first day on a spike you know? yeah sure i get i mean that's part of the reason i think like i don't really think i was thinking it but like subconsciously i was like i don't want to shoot this because i don't want to like be done run into something bigger like whatever yeah. later like i have time yada yada especially with school being online and stuff it's a little easier to like get up and go dick around well we're not all in uh Soft degrees, but yeah, sure. Soft degrees, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It it was still fun and it was cool, but it all just happened so fast. And then that other bull bugled and like they all just took off. And then it's like at that point, it starts snowing again. Like you know, there's no way you're gonna get after any of those guys in the trees. Cause so did you learn anything from an unsuccessful elk season or? Or just, was it just weather screwed you? I, I feel like, honestly, I mean, like, honestly, I think that we were in the right spot. Like, at the like weather permitting, I think the re- weather really did screw us. Like, oh, because even when I was driving, so elk season opened October 15th. And even when I was driving up to camp the 14th, like, that night, like, it was snowing and it was coming down and, like, I left my house a little later in Sheridan because I was doing schoolwork and stuff, and um, my dog chewed through my gunsling, so I had to go buy a new gunsling really fast (laughs) before I went up on the mountain. I can't wait to tell Buffalo on that one. Yeah, and uh, so I was driving up in the dark, and, like, it was just, I I had, like, my truck lights on, but, like, I don't know. I hate it when it's snowing really bad and you have your lights on because it's like your lights make the snow worse and that the, they hadn't plowed the roads at all. So it was just kind of like a guessing game where I was driving in the road and like if there's a car coming down the road, it's like, okay, I should move over a little bit. But I, so spent the night and then woke up in the morning and it was still snowing and windy and it was just like, ah, this probably isn't going to be that good. And it was like, so opening day was Thursday, I think, a Thursday. So the weather was like, like, cause we were up there till Saturday. So the weather was like that Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And then it finally broke on Sunday, but we weren't up there on Sunday. So. Cause that's the Lord's day. Precisely. And I had to come back to Laramie to work. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of a... But, I mean, I'll tell you what. Opening day on Thursday with that snow and stuff. So, Joe and I went back to this Horse Creek Ridge at 
we were out there at like 5, 5.30 in the morning, you know, and sun comes up. We're hiking around there all day. And, like, we got back to camp at, like, 4 in the afternoon, or like, 3.30, 4 in the afternoon. And uh, we were driving back down the road to get back to camp. And, like, they were just – I don't know, it was a disaster. There were, like, trucks run off the road. Like, there was one truck. I don't know if you're familiar with, like, Porcupine area at all, yeah. and, like, Sheep Mountain Road. Yeah. So, like, we were coming down Sheep Mountain Road, and off to the left side of the road, there's, like, it drops off. There's trees and stuff. But there was this little pocket, like, in the trees off the bottom of the road, and some guy, like, sent his truck off the hill, like, into this little pocket, but, I mean, like, the roof of his truck was, like, at least a foot below where the road was at, like, where we were sitting at, so, I mean, like, he was stuck down there, and I was like, oh, my God. Get it in the summer? Yeah, I guess. Well, and here's the other thing, so, I was driving down that road, too, like, before we saw this truck in the little Ranger, and I was going slow, and I was kind of going around this corner, and I, like, spun out, did, like, a 180, and sent myself off the right side of the road in this little ditch. And I was trying to get out and, like, turn myself back around. But, like, I just kept sliding back into this ditch. And I always ended up with my back end going downhill. And so, finally, Joe's all like, how do you feel about driving down like this? And I was like, wow, screw it. So, I was just driving out there like tow mater. Went, like, three quarters of a mile in reverse. <laughs> Because I couldn't turn the stupid freaking ranger around. And yeah, I don't know. It was just pretty funny. But we finally got to this big wide turn. And I was like, I should be able to turn around here. Got it back straight. But it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> well, that's probably a good ending. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that all there, that's all there is to it, I guess. Yeah. That's all. Whole hunting season for Carter in roughly 50 minutes. <laughs> Is that a bad thing? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, there you have it, folks. Well. Oh, and always, uh, this would be my only piece. Sorry, one second. <laughs> my only piece of advice to everybody else, I guess, would be to pack some chains with you. A pussy. No, dude. That's like Joe and I are coming out of Horse Creek. And there's this part in the road, like, towards Horse Creek more. Like, we're still way far away from anybody else. But these guys in a rental truck, I don't really know where they're from, but these guys had set up camp way down there. Out of staters. Yeah. They had a rental truck. It looked like J6, like Ram 1500, but, I mean, nothing special about it. Uh, Utah plates, but... uh. They had their rental truck down there, and they had set up camp, like, towards Horse Creek, which is just, like, I want to say it's at least 10-plus miles from, like, any sort of civilization, which is quite a ways when you're talking about, like, in the boons of the mountain. So uh, these guys were trying to get out, and they were going up this hill, and they slid down the hill into a tree and, like, got their truck stuck, and then Joe and I tried to help them get their truck unstuck, and they ended up just getting their truck stuck even more, and so they're like, oh, we'll pay you to bring us chains, and we're like, yeah, 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 and so Joe and I are driving out of there, and I was like, 
I really want to help those guys, but I, because I, so the same hill that they got their truck stuck on, we we're I backed up and I was going at it with the Ranger, started spinning out, man. Like Joe and I almost didn't make it out in the Ranger, and I mean like we didn't have chains either, and we ended up getting out okay, but it was just like. Oh. So you didn't need chains. Ah, oh, we didn't. They did. So like last year when I got stuck, chains wouldn't have done shit. Like when I came around that yeah. corner and went into that snow drift, yeah, yeah. chains would have done absolutely nothing. You just have a shovel and dig yourself out. Well, out. these guys weren't like stuck in a drift though. Like the snow wasn't deep really. It was just really slick and like icy. So I don't know. Maybe chains would have helped. Maybe they wouldn't. But they're like, we'll pay you to bring us chains. And I was, we were driving away and like we got stuck on that hill where they got stuck at, but. We got up over it, and then I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, we are not coming back down here. Because if we come back down here, we're probably not getting out either. So you didn't bring them chains? No. Did you tell them you were going to bring them chains? And no. Left? Okay. I didn't say. I was thinking, like, Carter's like, yeah, yeah, we'll be back in, like, an hour and a half. We'll bring you chains and then just leave them <laughs> out to die. <laughs> like, just, yeah, God. See, dudes. Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't promise them anything. I was like, I'll see what I can do, but no promises. And they're like, well, we'll pay anybody to bring us chains. And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, well, I'll, I'll see if I can figure it out for y'all. But, like, I wasn't that worried about it either because, like, down by Horse Creek where we were hunting, like, there were other people down there too in their razor rigs and all that. And, like, I was like, if they like, – I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah. Fucking morons getting their rental truck stuck. Obviously, Carter needs to read the Good Samaritan story. times. <laughs> they probably rented a two-wheel drive uh, Dodge pickup, and then that's that's their own problem. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. I mean, I would have loved to help the guys, but I'm not going to risk getting my own ass stuck down there with no cell service to help them out. Yeah. And their truck had full gas. They had extra gas cans. They had food, water, all that good stuff. And I mean, they got a heater in their truck, so <laughs> I think they're okay. Can't wait for the Sheridan Press story to come out in May. Eight, eight out of staters finally found, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that actually be that'd be terrible. That'd be terrible. Well, but on, uh, on that note. I'm done. We'll see you next time on The Rendezvous.